God never makes mistakes. Never has, never will. But that truth will never be said of us. God built the Milky Way. We built the Tower of Pisa. God declares truth. He sets all times. We will get to stare at people who come at 7 o'clock. He knows the schedule of human history. The beginning from the end. And I scheduled two weddings at the same time. That was several years ago. And yet I still survive. So the grace of God. We are all too familiar with how great and holy and perfect God is. And how we are not those things. Our mistakes are all around us. In fact, we are very talented at reminding ourselves just just how far we miss the mark. And then there are people who take a time out from their own self-talk to graciously remind us how inadequate we can be. We thank the Lord for those people. Isn't that true, though? We can look at the standard of God and the work of God, and then we can see ourselves, our flaws and our imperfections. Or there can be others who dig and criticize to try to point those out that that tear us down and really, really can mess with us. Now, when we sing the song, Amazing Grace, That's in our wheelhouse because we know how wretched we are, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yep, I can close my eyes and sing that. And so we get that God has done a work in us. And we're okay with that because it feels like, okay, yeah, because I had an issue and I had a problem, my sin... And God rescued me from that and and he has given me a new name and I can sing about that. But when when it comes down to God wanting to work through us, we're kind of like an owl in a spotlight. Who? Who? Because we know how inadequate we feel. And then to have God say, I have a work for you. Or I have, I have a problem that you need to engage. Or there's someone who needs Jesus and I've raised you up to be the one. You go, <laughs> who? You know what? I think that what we're talking about tonight is the most significant issue with the people of FBC.
My path continues to cross with people who feel deeply inadequate. Men who are called to lead as husbands and fathers, feeling that they don't have what it takes. Because of their own mistakes or because someone said something to them in their past. My heart broke this week as I had engaged a conversation with a guy who said his last words, his father said to him in his home as he left, as he said, I'm leaving because of him. And then his father left. We've heard horrible, painful things. We've told ourselves those things as well. And so we will gladly close our eyes and lift our hands when we sing how great God is and how far off we were. But the moment God says, I need you to move and to trust me, we go, who? (laughs) Me? Two-wedding guy? It's a challenge. And it is a major problem. Now, the problem isn't feeling inadequate. I wish it were. I wish it were that simple because this would be really short. I would just say, stop. And we could all go home. But we can't control the seasons that we go into, the scenarios we find ourselves in, the situations we find ourselves in. And we have to process that emotionally and we will be exposed all the time. And shook up thinking, do I have what it takes to do this? God is sending me into waters. I I don't think I can swim. Is that connecting? Are we on the same page? Because it is a problem. But the problem isn't that you have the feeling. The problem is what the feeling can create and what it can do. You see, God is speaking to us. He is our Heavenly Father who loves us, who wants good for us. And these feelings come, either generated from ourselves or we're taken in garbage from other people, and His voice gets drowned out. And that is our problem. Your feelings of inadequacy drown out the voice of God. You can't hear Him anymore. You just go, who? Now I really look like an owl. We let those things penetrate our hearts and our minds, and then we can't, we feel directionless. We feel alone and isolated. And this is a very common problem in the church. People who do not understand what God has done fully, His work in us and His work through us. I started by saying God never makes a mistake. And you're His work. So you're not a mistake either. We're going to get into a passage. I'd like for you to turn with me. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you'll turn there with me, that's where we'll be. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back along the wall. And I'd encourage you to actually have God's word in hand. 
2 Corinthians 3. Now, before I get into this passage and we find a very clear solution, we're going to close with some, what I hope to be some very uh, applicable applications. That's, that's a good goal. We're going to talk about, though, a key word that's found in the Bible and it's found here in this passage, and it's the word covenant. And I want to explain just for a moment, real briefly, what covenant is all about because we'll have the old covenant and the new covenant. A covenant is a promise or an agreement. God made a promise to Abraham that he would bless him. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. And then God set up a a system of behavior, a conduct code with his people that he delivered through Moses. And we know this code of conduct as the 10. Man, it's biblical scholars in our midst. Awesome. Now, those Ten Commandments were the bedrock of what was going to be laid out. All these instructions and and regulations and stipulations. That was all part of an agreement God made. If you meet these behaviors, I will bless you. If you disobey these things, I will curse you. You need to have a system of sacrifices to make all along that you can seek forgiveness when you break the law. That's the old covenant. And what it showed is that people in and of themselves cannot meet God's standard. Remember, God never makes what? And that's never true of us. So that was an old covenant. But then there's a new covenant. A new agreement has been made. God did not leave humanity in a place of despair. A pit of despair. In fact, the prophet Ezekiel, you got to blow the dust off of him. (laughs) Chapter 11, verse 19, God says through Ezekiel, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. You see, people in the Old Testament, they did not have God's spirit dwelling within them. They didn't know what it was like to have the living God at work in their mind and their hearts like believers do today. Only those who are called to be prophets or kings or who God would place his spirit in. David knew what was at stake when he sinned with Bathsheba and he said, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because God was under no obligation to allow His Spirit to dwell in people in the Old Testament. That's what makes the new covenant so new and so great. God stepped down into our condition. He sent His Son to die for us so that the work of Jesus would satisfy the work we couldn't do. We couldn't meet God's holy standard. So God came down to meet it Himself and to pay the price for our sin. And because of our belief in Him, we receive the Holy Spirit. And this was fresh and new and radical. And Paul was proclaiming it wherever he went. So this is what we're talking about. Old Covenant. The system that condemned humanity. We could not meet His standard. The New Covenant is the Gospel. Jesus Christ is the standard. And He set us free. 
All right, let's go. So I want to give you this solution right from the top. And here's the solution. God's covenant work declares us adequate. His promised work declares us adequate. In this text, here's what Paul was facing. Paul was facing sharp criticism. People who said he was no longer adequate unless he could prove his authority over them if he could bring some credentials with him. If he could show up to this Corinthian church with a letter stamped with a notary to say, I have my letter of ordination and I can, I can uh, preach here and teach here and rebuke y'all. I can do that. And they were saying that Paul was not adequate. So the way he responds gives us our solution. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I'd like for you to look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, because God declares us adequate because he, he has a covenant work that's been done. Listen to this. Paul says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul is saying, do I really need to have my credentials? Really? Because as far as I can see, you have been changed by the Jesus that I earlier earlier proclaimed to you, and your hearts are transformed. Isn't that proof enough that Jesus has changed you forever? And that's all the proof I need. And that is true for us also. See, Christ's change of our hearts is our proof. The proof that we have, that we are now declared adequate before God is not about our performance. It's about how our hearts have been transformed and changed. That the desires of our life is, are brand new in Christ. I want to be like Jesus. I want to please Him. I want to learn about Him. I want to see people like Jesus saw people. There's a heart change. It's one of the proofs in this passage that Paul is saying, look, no one needs a credential letter. Because all the proof is there that Jesus Christ has changed us. It's not even on a tablet of stone, an image of Moses with the Old Testament. Paul says it's it's written on our hearts. So Christ changes our heart what we long for, what we want. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to act according to His good purpose. It's God who's at work in our desires. That happens when you're in Christ. Next, God's work for us will never fade. 
It'll never fade. God made a covenant promise through His Son, Jesus, that was sealed by giving us the Holy Spirit. And it'll never fade away. Listen to verses 4 through 6, or read it. It says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter, the old covenant, kills with its standards and regulations. But the Spirit gives life. It's right there. We are, su- we are not sufficient in ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Then, in verse 11 through 12, it says, For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Who wrote the Old Testament law? God. The Old Testament law had glory in it. It was God's holy standard. The people couldn't keep it. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a permanent thing with even greater glory because God now enables and empowers us to not only see our adequacy in who we are, but in what we do in the work that He's called us to. Verse 12, He says, Since since we have such a hope, we are very bold. They don't shrink back. In this passage, Paul talks about the differences between the Old Testament uh, Jewish believers and, or Jewish followers and then the New Testament. And there was even in the city of Corinth people who would say, no, 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 we, we, we still need to follow all those regulations in the Old Testament. And Paul says this in verse 14, he says, but their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Only through Jesus do we are we set free from the condemnation that comes with trying to measure up to God's standard. We can't do it. So He did it. Set us free. God's work for us will never fade. It says the Spirit now is actively transforming the church. This is the third thing I want to share with you from this passage, that the Spirit of God is actively transforming the church. See, this is the y'all part of the passage. You can see it for yourself in verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, y'all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. Okay, when we buy in to feelings of inadequacy that drown out God's voice, we have got to understand that we are not alone in feeling that way or in processing our situations that way and that we're actually part of something larger called the church that is being transformed by the work of God. That means part of our solution is found in one another. 
We are easily overwhelmed by the things that happen to us in this life. A diagnosis that can't be explained. Criticisms that come from unexpected places. We can feel very alone. But Paul, he's saying we all, with unveiled face, there's nothing between us and God anymore. He has drawn close. We behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It says that we are being transformed, that God is doing a work in the church, that over time he is seeking to make his bride holier and holier and holier till one day we are with him. And I look back at this church and I can, I can see the bedrock values of this church have always been God, his word, and people. Those are the three values of this church that have always been there. God, His Word, and people. And what I've seen over time is there has just been an influence entrusted with, with a few people, and they remain faithful and bold. And that number grew, and influence grew. Generosity flowed from people to give sacrificially, and things continued to move and grow. We are not sufficient in ourselves, but God is our sufficiency and he has made us competent to be ministers so that, so that our pastor can go around the world and see the, the gospel advancing in ways that, that God had not unfolded yet. But you see, we are being transformed. His work is moving and we're caught up in it. And just seeing the transformed lives here. People who have moved from death to life. People who said, I lost my way, but Jesus is my way. Like this man at his baptism. That's what the Spirit of God is doing among us, changing us. It's because it's His work. In us and through us. So we are adequate. Husband, you are adequate to lead, to serve, And to love. You are. Because of the work of God. In you. It goes against. Often how we feel. So let's apply some things. First of all. I just want to give a general truth. And you might have known this. Even before you came in. But our application begins with this. Trust truth over feeling. I can have a bad burrito and feel inadequate from time to time. (laughs) Remember, it doesn't work to say stop feeling inadequate. It's not going to work. But when those feelings come, I need to trust truth over feeling. 
I need to agree that that God's word stands as the ultimate truth. And he has not hung me out to dry. He has made us competent to be ministers of the gospel. Trust truth over feelings. So I want to give you three things that can make this a little bit more concrete. First thing, know your triggers. Know your triggers. What are the things that easily trip you up? That throw you into an inadequacy spiral? How about when someone asks you a Bible question? I don't know who's Moses' wife's name. I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? There are different triggers for each of us. For me, it's criticism. Pastor Hinkle likes everyone to be happy and happy with you and me. And so criticisms can kind of stick around. Go, hmm, maybe I'm not. Do you know your trigger? So that you can anticipate. Sometimes a trigger is family matters. Ooh, because then you've got all the stuff of the past, the things said, the things unsaid, the things done, those who left, those who tried to come back, all that kind of stuff is just in the past. And then you have a current issue and it just comes. And you feel like, oh, I don't think I'm adequate to handle this in a way that God would have me do that. Do you know your triggers? Know your triggers. Next, get perspective. Know your triggers, get perspective. When we wrestle with inadequacy and we're feeling the doubts that come, We have got to have perspective. And you're not going to get it on your own. You and a bag of Cheetos aren't going to figure yourself out. Or alcohol. Or pornography. There's all these things that we can turn to. Try to deal with the reality of our mistakes and... But we got to get perspective, and we're going to get that from three places. The bedrock of the values of this church, God, His Word, and people. That's how we get perspective. It has to come from outside of us. We need to put God's Word in front of us. Did you know that Ezekiel, that, that ancient prophet that I blew the dust off of and read, he wrote in 36.9, For behold, I am for you. I will turn to you. You will be tilled and sown. Can you believe that's in the Bible? God himself saying, I'm for you. I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to cultivate you. And I'm going to plant you. We need that perspective. 
We need godly people who that when we are having a hard time hearing God's voice because there's things drowning him out, that we can go and get clarity and perspective from godly people. Pastors are confronted with their inadequacy all the time. Because by the time you pick up to call, things are bad. It's already moved out of the realm of, oh, we got this. Can we talk to a pastor, please? And we're here for that. We are here for that. And it is the grace of God that works in us and through us that we can be a contribution in your lives. But, ooh, I tell you, there can be that moment of just like, who? And God is saying, you are sufficient. Because I don't make mistakes. And we got to live the gospel. Got to live the gospel. There is nothing like living the gospel to snap us out of our paralysis. To go, man, that was all God at work. And we have our intentional cards that we did in the gospel series. And I haven't reached all 10, but I've been praying and God has opened up two very clear and specific instances where because I asked and remained open, he went, with the hearts of two men. I want to see them transformed by Jesus Christ. But I tell you what, it won't come from me, but it will come from the power of God at work in me. And you. When we live the gospel and we share Christ, If you get a taste of someone who gets transformed from death to life, you don't get over that. It messes you up. You start actually believing that what God's word says is true, that he's made you competent to be a minister of the new covenant. Maybe there is something to this Holy Spirit thing. There is. We're to live the gospel. I want to close by just giving you an opportunity. This is not going to be for everybody in the room, but it may hit some of you. There is a segment in our society who has been set aside. Someone has left them. Someone has abandoned them. Someone has made decisions in such a way that they cannot be cared for. And these are the children of Kansas who have been awarded to the state. And there is a project in our state called Project Belong that is seeking to engage these kids who have been set aside or perhaps feel inadequate that someone could step down and into their lives to give them a new name. You can go to projectbelong.org for more information and in 
On February 15th and 16th, there's an opportunity for you to get more equipped and more informed with an opportunity for that. We've been adopted. Maybe others will be also. Whether physically or spiritually. Through God's work in us and through us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you, God, for your word and the truth, the the anchor it is for us. God, we, we can't control how we feel in all situations. But Lord, we can trust your truth that at every, any time, every time, you have made us sufficient and competent. We give you praise, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.